Well, amen. Well, we want to take our Bibles this morning and we want to turn to Matthew chapter 11. And my primary text is going to be beginning in verse 28. And I'll be reading in that in just a few moments. But you know, as we celebrate Mother's Day, there's a lot of things that we could cover this morning. And a lot of things we've covered in the past, honoring your parents, you know, the, the, you know how, to, how to bless your mom and, and how to uh, uh, be the man in, in your wife's life, all these kind of things. But this morning, I want to look at something a little bit more general, but yet specific to moms. Now, I recall about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than a year ago, there was a highway near uh, where my daughter lives in Atlanta that just co- completely collapsed. And you hear about bridges, and we've heard about one recently, kind of a new type of bridge that collapsed. But one thing that we know, that when you put enough weight on something, and you put that weight on there long enough, it is subject to collapsing. And I think that when we talk about our lives today, sometimes we feel a little overloaded and a little overwhelmed. How many of you today, just see who I'm speaking to, how many feel sometimes a little overloaded? Anyone here? little overloaded. All right, everybody's going like this, you know. No, nobody knows who's going to be raising their hand, but we, uh, we feel overloaded. We feel overwhelmed, and this is, uh, we live in a life of pressure and stress, worry, anxiety, and this is so true among moms. Did you know I was, I was reading not too long ago where if the mom's job was on the open market in, biz, in the business world, it would be worth about $140,000 a year. All right? And some of you say, well, maybe a little bit more than that. Well, it depends on, I guess, where you're living. But a mom is, has, is involved in many businesses, food, fashion, decorating, maintenance, janitorial, entertainment, management, recreation, transportation, and uh, education. Then someone comes along and has the audacity to ask a mom, do you work? You know, so, <clears throat> so let's don't be asked that. So, as we look at this stress and anxiety and overloaded, it applies to everyone here, but none more than mom. And so, as we look at this and we uh, ask ourselves the question, what can we do when we're overloaded and overwhelmed? You know, when all these things come into us, sometimes, I've discovered in my own life, we sort of say, well, I can do this, and I schedule, 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 but if you're like me, and like many moms here, you don't have any margin in your life. And so when something else comes along and weighs down upon you even more, then it's very difficult not just to do the task that you're doing, but also deal with the pressure and stress. Worry, that's a hard job. And disappointment also in our life. And that can happen during our prayer life. We pray for something and pray for something and pray for something. And then a pastor like me comes along and says, you know, what you need to do is put that on the altar. You ever heard that? Just lay that on the altar. Give it to Jesus. And we don't even know what that means. And until this week, even though I knew what that meant, until this week I didn't know why it's so difficult to do that. And so we're going to be looking at this passage this morning. And, and as we look at it, I want us to see this great invitation that Jesus gives us to all those who are overloaded and overwhelmed. He says, come to me, all you are are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
One of the things about these three verses, almost every word is just impactful. It's just rich with meaning. So I want us to look at this as we look at this soul's rest, this, this idea of really having the peace and rest in our life amidst all the circumstances and all the things that we have going on in life, including our struggle even with, with our relationship with God and with our prayer life. We've been talking in recent weeks about the Lordship of Christ, and we said, remember, the Lordship of Christ is something that I commit to, but the fruit of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit filling my life, is the result of it. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Here Jesus tells us, here's how to have peace and joy. Here's how to have a soul's rest in your life. And so we're going to be looking at this in three ways. Number one, why do you need this rest? What is this rest? How do you find it? Number one, why do we need the rest? Well, because you feel overwhelmed. Even the biblical characters felt overwhelmed in their life. It's not that it's just me and it's just you. In John chapter, or Matthew chapter 11, this whole passage begins by John the Baptist in verse 3. As John the Baptist is in prison, about ready to be beheaded, and if you were about ready to be beheaded and killed, you'd be stressed out too, all right? Verse 3, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? John was doubting in the dark what God had already showed him in the light. And so Jesus begins to talk about John the Baptist. Then, in verse 20, we have three cities that Jesus has come to, and they've rejected him. And so even Jesus is going through some, some woes in his life. He's going through disappointment in his life. He's, he's reflecting on these, these cities, and he says, but I tell you in verse 24, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Then he goes on to say in verse 20, 25, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Lord, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and reveal them to little children. Notice what Jesus is doing here because this is key to overcoming the overloaded and overwhelming feeling. And that is he trusted the Lord and the Father in heaven with his wisdom. Well, notice what's happening here. Everybody's stressed out. Then Jesus comes up and says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. The idea of a labor is being weary. You're, you're just exhausted from work. And the idea of heavy laden has some, uh, this great load, you might say, has been dumped on you, and you don't really know what to do with it. This great load of something happening to your children, you don't know what to do with it. Some surprise in your job, you don't know what to do with it. Something happened maybe in the stock market at one time, and as a retiree, you just, all of a sudden, it's loading you down, and it's still loading you down today. Something in the past is overloading your life. This passage specifically speaks in the context to salvation. And Jesus is saying the spirit rest, which is explained in the book of Hebrews, the spirit rest is to say, I'm, I'm getting rid of my works. I'm no longer stressing out and working my way to heaven. I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone to save me. But this has many, many overtones to the Christian as well. And he gets specifically looking at the, at the believer here in verses 28 through 30. Now, when we think about it, 
there are three different types, maybe, of burdens in our life, and they're very simple. One is from the past. You're carrying the burden of guilt, something heavy laden, something in the past has happened to you, and it's still affecting you today. I was um, back in Athens near my home, our hometown, and uh, ministering to my father. I had something going on with my dad, and uh, he has a rental house, and I, I go in, and there's just a lot of stuff being moved out, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, for such a small house, these people have a lot of stuff. And I've, I don't know if you've seen these um, TV shows or not. I, I haven't. I, as soon as I see what it is, I, I switch the channel. But it's about one of those hoarders. Have anybody ever seen those things? You know, yeah, you know, you, you know, these people that just hoard things. We are hoarders of regret. We are. We just can't get away from it. Every time we say we give it to the Lord, it comes back a week later, a month later, a year later. Things remind us of things. We live with all this stuff weighing us down from the past. And then the present. What are we worried about in the present? Well, it centers on two things. The things that we own that we're afraid we're going to lose. And the and the things that we want out of life, that future and hope that we read about in one of these uh, uh, little New Testaments just a few moments ago, uh, as far as giving you know, one of the children one of the New Testament is life verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, to give you a future and a hope. We, we want those things in our life. We want God to do something in our future, and we're worried that that future is not going to take place. Well, Matthew 6.33 tells us this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. There's a theme that goes throughout the Bible, and that is seeking God first, everything about God, his will, his face, seeking God first in our life. And it's difficult to do. Let me show you what this passage is about, and I'll show you how difficult that is. It's not just about giving something to Jesus. Notice what it says. Come to me, all you that labor are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, we think about a yoke, and many of us are not farmers here, but a yoke is something that went over an oxen, and sometimes it went over two oxen, and those oxens, what, what, oxen would, would be pulling the plow. And a lot of people would say, and I've interpreted this myself in the past, that what we're doing is harnessing ourselves to something in life. But actually, that's not what this passage is saying because you could have a yoke over one oxen. You could. Jesus is saying, I am the yoke. I am the, the, that guidance system that is upon your life. I, I use this yoke to turn to the right, to the left, to make you go, to make you stop. I am the yoke. It's not just about, now there, there's some implications about being, uh, who are you yoked to in this life and how it changes your life. And there's nothing wrong with preaching it that way. But Jesus here is not only the other oxen in the yoke, but for sure, he is the yoke itself. And it says here, take my yoke, implying to us that we all are tied to a yoke. We all have a yoke. Somebody says, well, I just want to be free. I want to be free to do my own thing. You know, I, I just feel like if I just keep seeking my own thing, something is going to satisfy my life. Horace, the uh, Roman poet, said, no one lives content. And he goes on to say about life's lie. Now, this is way back in the Roman times, and we can identify with this even today. Life's lie. What did he say life's lie was? 
that, this, that one thing that you think will make you happy, and then it doesn't. Just one more thing. If I can just do one more thing in my life. Remember what Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes tried to do. He tied himself to a lot of different yokes. He said, boy, if I can just have, I can just have power. No, that didn't work out. If I can have pleasure, that, did not, that didn't satisfy. If I could be the smartest guy in the world, well, that didn't satisfy. If I can philosophize, well, that, that didn't satisfy. He tried everything, and he says, nothing is satisfying. All this vanity, he says. Nothing in this world really satisfies our life. And that's what Horace was saying. No one lives content. He, was, he must have been seeking himself. Now, this is the harnesses or the yokes that we place upon ourselves. And Jesus said, no, place my yoke upon you because we're already yoked to something. As we look at this passage, he says, take my yoke upon you. All of us desire certain things in life. Why is it the man seeks after money or the man or woman seeks after a great career? Why do we seek after our children's happiness? And oftentimes, family begins to run our life. Why do we do these things? What is the end goal of it all? It's rest. It's the peace, joy, satisfaction, fulfillment in life that we long for. And we think to ourselves, as Horace says, if I just have a little bit more money, that's going to give me that soul's rest that I need. If my children can just get into the right college, then I'm going to be satisfied. Just that one more thing. If my marriage would just take it up another notch, that'll be all I need. If my children would just live right and do right and, and answer my, God would answer my prayer concerning my children, that, that will be all I need. But, but God says, no, it is not all you're going to need. What we're trying to do is make our way to this goal of peace and rest, and it doesn't come from here because there's nothing under the sun that's going to satisfy. It comes from here. And so as we look at this, we understand that we need the peace and rest. Now, what is this? What, what is this rest that Jesus is talking about? It says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, and you will find rest for your souls for your inner heart, for your core, your causal core of who you are, your soul, your heart. Your heart's going to find satisfaction in him. This rest, it means to refresh, to revive, cease from striving in our life. It has the sense of peace, fulfillment, in the midst of making progress. It's, it's not just simply sitting there. It's like if you can just imagine you're at Disney World and you have a stroller. Have you ever seen a, Dis uh, a stroller at Disney World? Oh, my goodness. You know, you, you have to dance around them all, you know. You get run over. And, and here's a little child being pushed. So, wow, you know, the parent says, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. I think it's time to leave. You know, what is it, 1130 in the morning? It's time to go. And the child looks up. I'm not tired. Now, the child's making progress, but it's riding along. You're pushing it along. I love what Deuteronomy says, where it's the beloved of God rides between the shoulders of God. You know what that picture is? That picture is one, a little child 
resting upon the shoulders or riding on the back or maybe the legs wrapped around the neck and riding along and, and getting a free ride by mom or dad. That's what it, the, the loved of God, the blessed of God rides between the shoulders of God. So there's a sense of rest here. Now it talks about a spirit rest and that spirit rest is salvation. Notice what it says, you know, just looking back at verse 25. He says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden the things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Little children are humble, right? The little children are teachable. But he says, in response to these three cities that have rejected him, he realized that God is sovereign over all. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so, as we're transitioning from this passage, verse 27 to verse 28, we know that he's talking about, as Hebrews, book of Hebrews talks about, the spirit rest. Ceasing from your own works and getting to salvation. But it also talks about a soul's rest here. In verse 29, we can see the emotions involved. He says, learn, I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest, not just for your spirits, but for your souls. It reminds me of Philippians 4, 7, where it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is a promise to believers. And so rest is that peace and joy. Now, what is it, what's the Bible saying to us that it's dependent upon? It's dependent upon what you are yoked to. What is the yoke on your shoulders? Is it abrasive? It, it is, turning, is it turning you the wrong way or is it turning you into the right way? What are you yoked with? What, who is first place in your life? Who is the Lord of your life? I've said it before, Jesus is the only one that can be master of your life without ruining your life, without messing up your life. You say, well, my marriage is really kind of running my life. You're going to ruin it. If your children are the number one thing in your life, you're going to either push them away, they're going to want to have anything to do with you, or that you're going to manipulate their life and they're going to be dependent upon you the rest of your life. It's just, it's something that doesn't work. Why? Well, if you look at, the, at a wheel, and you have a hub right in the middle, God is saying, look, I created this universe. I, I, I died on the cross for your sins. I rose again on the third day. I, it's my plan of salvation. It's not yours. It's mine. I'm telling you how to get to heaven. I'm telling you how to get blessed. So Jesus has to be the hub of the wheel. And if Jesus is somewhere else, the wheel is not going to turn properly. It's just going to thud, 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 like a flat tire. Jesus is the center. But here we have someone, and here's the insight maybe for today, all right? We have someone that says, look, I'm burdened. I'm burdened about this certain thing in my life. I've laid it on the altar for God, and it seems like God still doesn't do anything. And I laid it on the altar, and I give it to Jesus, and I hear about giving it to Jesus. I don't even know what that means anymore. What does it mean to really give something to Jesus? Well, let me ask you something. You know, you're, you're asking God to bless something that maybe is kind of, if I can say this, more important to you right now in your life than God is. That's what's happening. You say, well, no, that's not what's happening to me. 
Let me ask you this. Do you get mad? Do you get upset with God if he doesn't do what you want to, to do with that which you placed on the altar? I have. Have you? Have you ever got upset with God because he didn't answer the prayer that you wanted to pray in, the, in that way? Then I know when that happens to me, something else is on the altar. Now, let me give you a ridiculous illustration, perhaps, that I shared with some men on Thursday night. Suppose, suppose you're married, ladies, and um, you also have a boyfriend. Now, heaven forbid that would happen. I said it was a ridiculous illustration, but it, it does really help us to understand something here. And so, you're, you have a boyfriend, and you bring your boyfriend to your husband, and, and you say, look, honey, you've got to... No one, there's no one on earth I respect more than you. There's no one more powerful, I think, on earth. There's no one more influential on earth. My boyfriend needs your help. He needs a job. And you have the influence to get him that job. And, our, and we're having trouble with our relationship. And we need some money for counseling. Would you help us? If you really loved me, you would help us. Now, guys, what are you going to say about that? No. Can you say that with me? No. Nah, you wouldn't do that. You'd look at your wife like, what? What planet did you just come from? But we do that. You say, well, not only that, and, and she thinks to herself, well, you know, I can't. She talks to her friends. She says, well, I can't believe this. I asked my husband to help my boyfriend, and if he really loved me, he would have done that. But he didn't, so that shows me he doesn't love me. He's not listening to me. Now, no, that's a ridiculous illustration. But we do the same thing to God. We bring our idol and say, look, I, I love, this, this is something I love, God, more than you, but I want you to bless it. God, I, I love something here more than you, and I'm putting it first in my life, and it is the yoke upon my, uh, my, myself. And, and God, I want you to bless it. If you don't bless me, God, I mean, how, how many things have I really asked you for? Well, a lot, but we do it. And you say, no, I don't do that. Let me ask you this again. Do you get upset with God when he doesn't answer the prayer? Do you feel overloaded and overwhelmed even more so in your life? Because you've come to the place in your life, you keep putting stuff on the altar. The problem is, as you put something on the altar, you've got to put yourself on the altar. You've got to say to God, God, you are first place in my life. You can bless this in my life because if he blesses your idol, it's going to only encourage you to go further away from him and more toward your idol. And dear friend, we need to realize something about idolatry or about sin. The reason God says don't do that, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt in the long run. For example, for example, the Ten Commandments, most of them, six of them, are about our relationships. Now, you say, well, look, I want freedom. I want freedom to do what I want to do, and I don't want to have to, to worship God and put him first. But I don't want anybody to treat me like I'm treating everybody else. Nobody wants to be cheated on. No one wants to be stolen from. No one wants to be lied to. And all of these things, God's saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to bless that because it's going to encourage you to go further and further away from life source, from satisfaction source. And so for me to do that, God would say, would be kind of ridiculous. And so what about us? We give it to Jesus. 
But have we reminded ourselves more and more and more, and we just come to, to God and say, God, I just want to remind myself again, remind myself again, God, you are the most important thing to me, but God, I do need this done. And that's why it's so important. We do love our children. It's natural. It's unnatural not to love them. Your family ought to be the first place in your life of everything on this earth. And it's difficult just to say, God, I'm leaving really in your hands. And, and God, I want you to know that even if, even if you don't answer the prayer the way I want you to answer, you're still God. I, I trust your wisdom. As Jesus said here in verse 25, I just trust you, Father, that you've hidden things, you reveal things. And Father, for such was your gracious will. Now come to me, all of you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And I'm going to give you rest for your souls. Well, how do we go about finding this rest? God gives us three commands. He says, first of all, come to me. He says, take my yoke. And he says, learn of me. First, he says, come to me. Verse 28, idea of salvation. That's the initial thing. Come to me. Come to me, all you are laboring. You're, you're laboring in your work to try to get saved, to try to get God to maybe give you favor somehow in this life. You're working and working. Don't cease from your work and just come to the graciousness of Jesus Christ and invite him into your heart. Surrender your heart. In fact, he gives us the, the way to do that right back here in verse uh, 25 when he says, like little children. Reveal them to little children. Why would he use that? Because children are humble. We come humbly before the Lord, helpless. And we come also trusting. A little child is not only helpless and realizes that, but also realizes that we realize they're trusting of that parent. Come to Jesus. But somehow we got to unload the burden, physically unload the burden. And he says, take my yoke. All other yokes will lead to slavery. In fact, if you are, as a picture sometimes, as many pastors picture, you're tied to another oxen, and that oxen is leading the way. Some people interpret the passage that way, saying it would be the same thing, same application. You have a lead oxen. What is your lead oxen? Whatever you're tied to besides Jesus is a wild animal that you cannot control. He says, take my yoke. He is talking here about control of walking in the Spirit. We talked about that. Walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's talking here about taking one step at a time, being in step with the Holy Spirit. He says, take my yoke. Get the other burdens off of you by taking my yoke. You heard the story before about the hitchhiker. And he was uh, um, hitchhiking, thumbing it down the road, had a big backpack on. Got in a pickup truck, picks him up. He jumps, jumps in, the, in the passenger seat, and he's riding down the road. And the man just keeps talking about how he's been walking a long way, and he's tired, and he's tired. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm still tired. And the man said, well, you know, in spite of the fact that I'm giving you a ride, you still have your backpack on. You're riding but you're still carrying your burden. What a picture of many Christians. We've gotten the ride to salvation, the way to heaven. 
but we're still carrying our burden. Because in spite of the fact that we're trying really hard to put something on the altar to God and have God to do something with it, we, we consistently, not one time, consistently, that will remind us to take his yoke upon us and tell God, God, I love, I love, I love this other stuff. I love my job. I, I love my family. I love them, but I love you more. It's a constant reminder. And he says then, learn of me. Mathano, learn of me. Closely, closely uh, resembles discipleship. And the idea is here is that you learn from him. It says in verse 28, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What does that mean, his yoke is easy? The yoke that is upon you is him. And he says, unlike the rest of the world that makes you labor, that makes you worry, that brings you to stress, compared to all that, I'm easy. I'm just easy. You said, but the word of God is, is hard to obey sometimes. Yes, we have the flesh, we have the world. It's, it's not a cakewalk. But compared to being outside of Christ, it is easy, and you will find the burden of his harness upon your life is light. He says, learn of me. That gives us the impression that this is a journey. This is a journey that every time I come to the altar and lay something on the altar to God, it may be the same thing over and over and over again. I'm constantly learning that I need to give my heart a new and a fresh to God and take his yoke upon me. What's the results? You're going to find rest, he says in verse 29, for your souls. And so here's what he's saying. We learn to be humble, submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, and we're patient when things don't go our way. And we're going to find rest for our souls. And so uh, what do you want? What, what is your yoke right now? Here we are, we think, well, I'm, I'm really, what I'm really after is happiness in my family. Really you are and you're not. What we're all after is that sense of rest, soul's rest. But we think without our family being happy, there's no way we can have it. Without that job promotion, there's just no way we can have it. Without that career that you've been dreaming of for a long time, there's just no way we can have it. Without enough retirement funds, oh, well, there's just no way I can have it. So we, we think, that's what I need to seek after. And Jesus says, no, you seek me first. The kingdom of God, that's the rulership of God in our life. And his righteousness, that's the character of God in our life. And everything else is going to be added unto you. The things that you need will be there for you. Yeah, we want all these things. We want success, family success. And all the time, we're wondering, God, can I really trust you? Can I really place things on the altar? If I place you first, what's going to happen? If I just place you first and nothing works out like I really want it to work out, what's going to happen? You're still going to have that audience of one. You see, part of the problem is we want to just please everybody around us. Nobody wants to please people more than the pastor. Nobody. 
We're all people pleasers, basically. And so we want to please everyone, and we end up maybe pleasing nobody. And God says, look, just have an audience of one. You please me, I'll give you soul's rest. And yeah, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you in such a way that my guidance, my yoke, is going to guide you in the way that you should go. And even when you get these answers to prayer, you're going to be giving glory to God and realize the peace and rest that you already have is not enhanced. It's just already there. I, uh, one of the best illustrations I can think of of just trusting the Lord is uh, my granddaughter, uh, Piper, when she was uh, at our house and first getting into the pool, um, she didn't want to kind of jump to me, you know, or, or get in, into the pool. And so I told her, I said, look, I'm standing on the bottom. I'm standing on the bottom. You See, look, you can see right through the water. I'm standing on the bottom, and I'm not going to drop you. I'm not floating around. Just jump. Well, then she jumped, had a great time. God and his feet, Christ's feet, are on the bottom, and it is sound. He found it to be sound. And we can take that leap of faith in his arms. Let's pray together. In the quietness of this moment, we're all here to different places. And um, some of you today found it a difficult message, as I found it a difficult message this week. Because really, God letting go and trusting you with your feet on the bottom and saying, God, I want to learn to love you and place you first and then let everything else work itself out. I'm not going to love anything less. I'm just going to love you more. Would you make that commitment that every time you get burdened, that you will place your burden on the altar, you would give that to Jesus, but you will give yourself anew and afresh to Jesus and saying, God, help me to love you even more than I do anything else. And then others of you here that have never come to know Jesus Christ. You saw a baptism this morning, and that was someone that had already come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. And wow, you could do that too. You could have a brand new life today, forgiven of everything that you've ever done, and come to a place in your life where God lives in your heart through the presence of his Spirit. Would you like that today? I'm going to ask you if that's what your desire is, to pray this prayer with me right now, silently as I pray aloud. Lord God, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. Lord, I thank you that you reveal things to those whom you want to reveal, the secret things, and reveal them to me today. I want to trust you with my life. I come to the cross. I lay the burden of my sin at your feet. Help me to live in such a way that it would bring bring glory and honor to you. Help me to place you first. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, you prayed that prayer to receive Christ. What now? What do you do? We're going to have an invitation. We're going to have a couple of our staff members, two of our staff members, three of them, standing right up here before you. 
And as we sing here in just a moment, what I want you to do is get up out of your seat and you say, come to them and say, I, I prayed that prayer with the pastor. Others here that are already believers, you say, well, you know, I've come to the altar, I brought this to the altar, I brought this to the altar, but I, I never really understood what all that meant. Just like you, pastor, until now, I, I didn't know what, what I needed to do with all that and why it wasn't really working. But today I come to the altar, I place my burden on the altar, but God, I place myself on the altar for you. For you to be the Lord of my life, to be yoked with you, for you to be first place. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.